Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Executive Editor Sean Schmidt, and today I'm joined by senior reporters Sue Darcy and Elizabeth Orr. Elizabeth, we'll talk to you in a few moments about the latest on the U.S. government's enforcement landscape around COVID-19. But first, let's check in with Sue, who will give us a taste of current Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Stephen Hahn's future plans, which includes continuing work on coronavirus control efforts. And this is probably a good time to point out that MedTech Insight reported today, January 14, that longtime FDA leader Janet Woodcock will be taking on the commissioner role on an acting basis beginning on January 20 until the new Biden administration selects someone to handle the role more permanently. You can read our story about this online now at medtechinsight.com. So now that that's been said, let's talk a bit about the outgoing Stephen Hahn and what role he wants to play beyond January 20 as an ex-FDA commissioner. Sue, you tracked this in a January 13th story for MedTechInsight.com. Tell our listeners what Hahn said. Sure, and thanks, Sean. Hahn told healthcare reporters in a recent briefing hosted by the Washington, D.C. healthcare think tank Alliance for Health Policy that after a brief break to reconnect with his family, he wants to focus on public health issues in his next career and continue to address the types of challenges the agency will face this year in approving the best diagnostics to detect COVID-19 and its variants. More specifically, he said he wants to, quote, increase equity, helping those who have been most affected by this pandemic and try to help with the underlying issues associated with that. He added that he was very proud to have worked with the dedicated career scientists, doctors, and pharmacists at FDA. You write in your story that Han can see a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the pandemic because, he said, of a massive effort to get as many Americans vaccinated for the virus in the first part of this new year of 2021, which should open up more hospital beds to necessary and elective surgeries. Give us a bit of color on that. Well, as a former cancer facility executive at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Han said he was very aware that many high-risk and elective surgical procedures have been curtailed by the pandemic, and there's a need for hospitals to push aside their normal procedures to care for those who have the worst cases of the coronavirus. At MedTech Insight, our reporters have been chronicling how that pent-up demand for cardiac, cancer-related, and orthopedic surgeries have impacted medical device sales. For example, pushing cardiac and vascular product sales down by 9% in 2020. The good news is that Han believes mass vaccination efforts will have an impact within the first half of this year and that we will see an acceleration of hospitals performing more high-risk and elective surgical procedures, including those using devices, by May or June of this year. So one of the things that stuck out in your reporting is that Han and the FDA's device center have been monitoring for genetic variants of COVID-19 for several months now. Why can't the standard molecular and antigen tests detect these variants? Yeah, the FDA, in concert with work it has done with its fellow agencies, such as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, has learned that a problem with current COVID-19 tests is that they can fail to find the genetic variants. 
and can create false positive results for patients who are actually infected with a coronavirus variant, Han said. He pointed out that, quote, an RNA virus is likely to mutate, so we need to be vigilant about that. Han said the agency is also reviewing the test to see if they are so-called dirty screens. In other words, if those tests are able to detect the variants. Han further said the agency is now assessing antigen tests to see if they can pick out those variants, but that doing so is a slower process because antigen tests require culturing and use of a special lab. He said those assessments are in the works and that the agency should have some answers soon, perhaps within the next few weeks. Okay, Sue, thanks for that reporting. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold over the coming month, especially with that transfer of FDA power, at least on an acting basis, to Janet Woodcock on January 20. Now, let's turn to Elizabeth, who yesterday wrote a piece for MedTechInsight.com on the U.S. enforcement landscape around COVID-19 and how it's still taking shape. That said, some things are becoming clear, including how diagnostics and products covered under the PREP Act and Emergency Use Authorization, or EUA, will come under scrutiny. Elizabeth, unpack this for us. Thanks, Sean. My reporting comes from a recent conference hosted by the Food and Drug Law Institute, where panelists discussed, among other things, the Public Readiness Preparedness, or PREP, Act. As our listeners may know, the PREP Act allows the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, to provide legal immunity on the manufacture, development, and distribution of medical products used to fight a public health emergency, in this case, the COVID-19 pandemic. The HHS has revised and published advisory opinions clarifying the PREP Act several times during the pandemic, said Bill McConaughey, a partner with the law firm Skadden, Arps, Slate, Mager, and Flom. And these actions seem intended to provide even more shield for manufacturers. For example, the advisory opinions state that companies won't lose their immunity if a product isn't officially a protected countermeasure as long as they had a good faith belief that it was. This could be especially important if the differences between covered and non-covered items are slight, or if a distributor unknowingly sells counterfeit items. Another advisory opinion protects products used to treat COVID-19, even if they are not specifically indicated to treat the condition. Previously, many had assumed technology needed to be approved specifically to treat a condition to be protected. Overall, McConaughey said, the advisory opinions go further than the PrEP Act itself. But the Department of Justice will need to determine administratively how much weight those opinions are given going forward. Do they expect any major changes? Nothing huge, but they noted that there is a strong precedent for amending the act as needed, and Democrats typically are less willing to block legal action than Republicans. Interesting. And another big area of focus during the pandemic has been diagnostics. What's going on there? This has been a challenging area for the FDA for quite a while, and of course the pandemic has intensified it as the agency struggles to balance the need to quickly increase the availability of testing with the need to make sure tests are effective, validated, and clinically meaningful. The FDA further had to address a long-standing dispute with the clinical lab industry over regulation of lab-developed tests, or LDTs. In October, the FDA gave in to an HHS directive to stop requiring EUAs for LDTs, but this could create a bind for manufacturers that may want the EUA for their own protection. So what does all this mean for enforcement? First, don't expect DOJ to take a light hand with COVID-19 diagnostic enforcement. DOJ will be giving a hard look to any diagnostics maker whose tests show systemic accuracy issues, and these cases are already beginning to pop up. For example, Mark Shana, 
founder of California Diagnostics for Marayat, was charged with healthcare fraud and securities fraud in June after allegedly filing more than $69 million in Medicare and Medicaid claims for an unauthorized coronavirus test that didn't meet FDA performance standards. And last month, CEO of a company called Decision Diagnostics was charged with securities fraud for misleading investors by falsely stating that the company is on the verge of releasing a breakthrough COVID-19 test. The attorneys who spoke during the recent Food and Drug Law Institute conference warned that prosecutors might be, quote, aggressive in interpreting medical device reporting requirements, so it's vital that diagnostics companies take care to report anything that's potentially MDR reportable to the FDA. Additionally, the FDA's decision to exercise enforcement discretion on LDTs for COVID-19 could increase enforcement risks down the line, especially if labs take advantage of the relatively loose regulations to skimp on validation. And while the HHS has said the FDA cannot regulate LDTs, the Biden administration or legislators in Congress may want another bite at the apple. That's an interesting perspective, but that Food and Drug Law Institute panel took place before President-elect Biden nominated federal judge Merrick Garland as the next U.S. Attorney General. Does that change anything? I followed up with attorney Bill McConaughey about that while I was writing, and he said the choice of Garland shouldn't change COVID-19 enforcement priorities. He predicts the new administration's priorities will continue to include the anti-kickback statute, protecting the disbursement of healthcare dollars, and acting against healthcare fraud. Okay, interesting stuff. Thanks for that report, Elizabeth. Listeners, you can check out these stories from Elizabeth and Sue online now at medtechinsight.com. And for all the latest medtech policy and regulation news and analysis, you can follow us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. For now, thanks for listening. 